Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Let me just start today. Uh, you know, everyone knows that this podcast is a labor of love because God only knows I make zero, I actually lose money on this podcast, but I love it because there are some people, like I get to talk to some of the most fascinating people in the entire world. And I get to introduce them to my three fans that listen to the, no, I, I, you know, we have. And then you have me, am I, am I the charity case? Shut the fuck up, Robin. I haven't even gotten there yet. I'm doing the intro. Like the reason I love doing this podcast is because I feel like my whole mantra is that everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And, you know, everyone's story, each person's story is unique in its own way, but it helps other people to tell their story. And it also links us all together. Anyway, I know I'm getting all profoundy, 
but you know, I do a lot of research on my guests <laughs> and the, you know, the more, and I know our guests today, I know our guests personally, because we have a very, both of us have a very close friend who is, um, is, is my oldest closest. I mean, like really the person who made me do stand up, the person who dared me to do it and who's really good friends with Robin. And we had lunch one day and I was like, oh my God, this woman is like so important in the world, in America. And when it comes to the creative arts and, you know, the, the, the intersection of politics and art and so profoundly affects us, but a lot of people don't know her name. And yet we're having lunch and I felt like I was sitting with like a camp friend. Like I, it was like, there's nothing you would meet her and think, oh my God, she's so fun. I want to hang out with her and not know anything. So this is, I'm very, so what I'm trying to say in the longest way, but I'm very excited about our guest. She is the CEO, would we call it the CEO of the Creative Coalition, but she's just- yes, I couldn't spell executive director. It was at O-R-E-R. Yeah. So it's executive director, CEO. No, no, I am the CEO because I couldn't spell yeah. it. Uh, of the Creative Coalition. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, Robin Bronk! Robin Jew, 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 Jew. Now I'm going to just say, I think the Jew Bell, it's going to be, I know Alex Edelman was one of the top Jew Bells, uh, but I think this might rival Alex Edelman. I'm just saying. Well, you know, I'm a Dixie Darling too. Yes, I know. We're going to get to that. Now, Robin, I, I you have that. done an amazing... Now, if people don't know you, we're going to get to, you know, who you are and what you've done. Uh, and the fact that you sort of created the term Pollywood, um, which is the it, as an intersection of Hollywood and, and politics. And, you know, this is such a fucking issue for so many people especially the right-wing conservative. I know you're a nonpartisan <laughs> group, but, um, you know, this idea that artists should keep their mouths shut when it comes to, you know, social issues and politics, when it is, in fact, art that has changed the trajectory of social issues and of policies and you know, made the world smaller and your love of arts is fucking amazing. And so everyone, you are going to love Robin Bronk. Now, Robin Bronk was born. Well, she's from Clemson, South Carolina. I'm from Clemson. Clemson. Okay. Now the thing is I've known Robin, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, I've known who she is, but I I didn't get like a normal amount of time with her since a couple of years ago, maybe. Where I, we actually, we literally had lunch with our friend. He left and then we sat there for like another hour and a half. Okay. So, Howard. So, you're a Southern Jew. So, you're already, you're born fish out of water. You're, in, you're born in Clemson, South Carolina. Your father is a physics professor at Clemson. Um, your mother is an interior decorator. Oh, my God. You did. How did you find that out? Oh, you don't ask Laura. Our producer, who's yeah, but you we'll know, I was thinking about that last night because I'm pretty quiet about. Oh yeah, I 
Robin, let me tell you what I had to go through. When I looked at, I have gone through everything I could find about you. Even your, your CUNY interviews I watched, even whatever you wrote in your, any interview, print interview, and, and whatever you wrote in your books, you know, you would write forwards to your two books. Are you my mother? I'm your mother. So um, you're a daughter of a professor in the South. Actually, I was born in Philadelphia because the little known fact is professors' kids move around as much as military kids. So we were always on the lam till my dad got tenure. So in my first 12 years, it was Philadelphia, Princeton, uh, New York City, and then Clemson, South Carolina. Now, when you, your family moved to Clemson and your father got tenure there, were you, they, was your mother, free, like, were they freaking out? Like, oh my God, we're, oh, we're Jews going good. to South Carolina? It is such a good question because, well, I was, I was a young thing. And to me, moving from Queens, New York, where also everybody's Jewish, to Clemson, South Carolina, where someone said, well, we have jewelry stores, but we do not have any Jews. Um, so it was, it was like camp every day though. Right. Beautiful. And it was so, it was easy. I mean, Clemson is, because otherwise I'll get shot. Clemson is a cosmopolitan dot in, in South Carolina, or is cosmopolitan. But you say, I read that you, you know, you had Judge Keller's general store. Oh yeah, Judge Keller's. So it had a main, it has a main street. And when I grew up there, there was, you got your jeans at Judge Keller's and he was the judge. And he knew everyone's size. It was like Sam Drucker. He, he, and he had a ledger that he'd write in how much it was. And then eventually your parents would pay for it. Right. But there was one main street and, you know, our, you know, being, a, being Jewish down there, our synagogue was about 60 miles away. And I have to give my parents credit. They would, you know, remember when there were the station wagons and there would be oh, yeah. five your kids and they're like, you know, screaming and climbing the walls of, and, you know, they, they just drove Tiber school twice, a, twice a week in Sunday school. And so your mother, it was it your mother who drove you. My mother, yeah. And I just like, could you imagine that? Driving screaming kids. In well, the first of all, it's for the non-Jews. Hebrew school was like fucking it's torture. For failure. Hebrew right. school is set up for failure. Right. And so, you know, and then you think of, you know, Elisa, my lover. She, her parents were like, do you want a bat mitzvah? And she said to all her friends, should I have a bat mitzvah? And they're like, no, then you have to go to Hebrew school. And she said, no, but now it's her biggest regret. But I did three days a week too. So many kids just went one day a week. I did like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Thursday, yeah, Sunday. And then Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Imagine, so it's in, you know, 1970-something, driving. And so there are all these disparate Jewish families down there. So they carpool. And it was like, you know, oh whatever, lose your parent, had to drive. 60 miles each way. There was and no wait there. There were no, there were no phones, you know, no kids right. on phones. I mean, I, I just like, I don't know how my mother did it for years. For years. I, see, see what they did for us. And we were all like, I hate you. I hate you. Insanity. But my bat mitzvah, 
Like, yeah. so we invited everyone in the town in Clemson to come the 60 miles. And my favorite bat mitzvah gift is a cross that wow. one of my neighbors gave me and said, well, we didn't know what to get, but a cross is always appropriate. Really? And did you say, no, it's not? Well, my you mother fucking did say in her, in her kind, gentle way. That's what I don't. It's like, you know, like, I know they mean well, but do your fucking due diligence. No, it's not. a pro- Like, OK, how did you well, she, feel? Well, she said, she said, well, there might be one or two times when it's not appropriate. Like, no. Can I ask you a question? How did you feel? I had mixed feelings about the people crossing themselves at Ruth Bader Ginsburg's. Um, you know, I I am very um, sensitive to church and state, and I same. You know, and and even you know, it's funny because in the, in this culture today, and you know, having a national Christmas tree and even a national menorah, really, I'm not really that comfortable with it. I grew up with, you know, I went to public school. We went to synagogue every week. I went to Hebrew school. But I remember we never got off for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. And then I remember I was in school when they decided, oh, well, there's a lot, you know, we're going to now, you're going to get off for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Passover. But I never really thought about because I felt like I lived in this, Christian, you know, like I love Christmas. I and mean, you think of all the Christmas yeah. songs yeah. All by Jews, but it's like not part, it shouldn't be part of our Christmas. politics. I mean, these days when we're not, you know, there's no pogroms around it, but Christmas was like the greatest for Jewish kids. Right. You got the day off, there was no pressure to do anything with your family. Chinese food and movies. Chinese food and movies. Try doing that in Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> Now, well, were you the only, were, so were you like pretty much the only Jew in your class? In my school. It was me, my and brother and sister, and then there was the other family. Wow. <laughs> so you went, you were a sickly child. Oh my God. How did you find out? I am not telling you, but I did my research as I did. Yeah. You were a sickly child. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I, had, I I got um, rheumatoid arthritis uh, when I was um, right after my bat mitzvah. I was about twelve, and back then, also there was. Um, it's also all these autoimmune diseases happen to be like Ashkenazi Jewish disease. It's unbelievable, and you know it's all, all our inbreeding. But I I can't believe that my doc, the pediatrician, who diagnosed it like that, and. I have to hand it to them. What were your symptoms? It was, well, it kind of, as a 11, 12-year-old, you know, it kind of just creeped up. It was hard. It's so, I have to say, I've never talked about this on the air. It's not one of the, like, it's not one of those, like, you know, I'm on every talk show talking about it. I know, but it it helps people, and it's so part of who you are. So, so wait, so I'm in South Carolina, the only Jewish kid in my school. And um, so, and in junior high, it was junior high back then, not middle school. And remember how, as a, you just wanted to be like everybody else. Oh, please, yeah. Right. And can I also tell you that we kept kosher? Same. <laughs> so, but our meat was airlifted and like dropped in a field. No way. 
from Atlanta. I mean, my mother, I mean, gee, I, she, I got to thank her every day. So, so also I was so different in so many ways from, from everybody. And yet all you want, like I get it. I was six feet at 13. My parents were really old. Yeah. It's the worst. All I, want, all I wanted. And so my, you know, you take your lunch to school and I had, because something about Jews and aluminum foil, why didn't they ever have like yeah. completely wrapped? Now, can I tell bread? you something? Everyone did aluminum foil. My mother did wax paper. Did oh, you? that's kind of cool. I wanted to be a wax paper lunch kid. We were wax paper and then um yeah, a lot of wax paper. I want ours was aluminum foil. It's amazing I didn't get Alzheimer's because I think aluminum has something to do with it <laughs> at the time I was 14. So and it also everyone had these very southern meat lunches, like they were, you know, white bread, bologna. And for some reason, tuna fish is like the official food of the Jews. What? What? I I am such a tuna fish Jew. I, oh my God. Okay. We have to, before we have to talk about your tuna. I just, I just called Elisa. I've had tuna fish on an English muffin. Oh, yeah. Three days in a row. I know. So don't you worry about mercury. I like, I, yeah. I, and Elisa's like, oh, that's good. I'm like, I've had tuna fish three days in a row. What do you put in your tuna fish? So, no, I'm a very plain tuna fish. I just yeah. like a little mayo. because, And I like the mayo because I think that's my southerness, too. Oh. I put I put mayo on turkey, too. Yeah. Okay. I used to do mustard, but I switched to mayo. Because, first of all, <laughs> tomato sandwiches. Tomato Nothing. sandwiches. But for my tuna, I do chopped onion. Oh, that's yummy. Um, I do celery if I have it. Cause that's yeah, very Jewy. That's a lot of work though. I mean, I, I, I know, but I, you know what? I have time now with the COVID and then I do the, oh, um, you? <laughs> and oh, I do, no. the, I do the mayo, but you know what? The other day I looked it up. Julia Child's tuna had gherkins in it. And oh, I always put a little I, relish. My brother, my brother likes the gherkins in it. Thank so you. I put the gherkins in. It's very good. Really? It's very, I, I just, no, I'm not. I can totally relate to you. I brought my lunch every day to school because we were kosher and my mother didn't believe in, like my family was so, everything was homemade. Every, my grandmother was born in 1896. So like, you know, nothing, none of anything new and like, didn't, it was like, no, that's no, that's not important. So I, we didn't have lunch boxes. I had a paper bag with Judith written on it. I had a paper bag with Jew written on it. <laughs> Um, I had a peanut butter sandwich with no jelly every day. And then Fridays I got tuna. You know what? One day my mom, I don't know. She was visiting my grandmother's night. So my dad packed my lunch and he packed a sardine sandwich. I mean, I was social suicide. So then on top of all these lunch issues, then I get rheumatoid arthritis and I can't. And so I, I it, so it, what happened? Your, your body starts hurting or so it happened. I was very big in, in talking about the arts community theater in the South. It really is. It's, it's what it, it's, it's all there is. It's all that, you know, culturally community theater. So I was very, I loved it. My community theater was just, you know, it's where I learned about musicals and Broadway and it was just, Oh, it was the best place to go. And and I were I was, you know, it didn't matter that I was different or I was from New York or it was just, you know, it was it was just great. And I was in a production of The Music Man. 
and I was about 11 or 12. And I think I was one of the kids, you know, from the thing. And my ankles started hurting. But you know how kids, you, you kind of don't, it just creeps up on you. You just think you can take care of it yourself. So I started, um, like, honestly, I, I've never said this. I don't even think my husband is. I started, like, wadding up toilet paper, putting it in the bottom of my shoes so it would cushion it. Oh, wow. I'm like the sad little girl. No, it's, and did you tell your parents? It was a, it was, I didn't. And you kept like, I kept like just doing that. What do you think it was inside you that made you not tell them? Well, it was, it was sort of like this chronic nagging pain, but not sharp pain. So you, I don't know. I think it. Do you think you were like in denial? I mean. I wasn't in denial because I didn't even know, you know, like when you're that young, you don't even know. And I just remember just like when kids go out to play things that are a nuisance, you just kind of survival instinct, I guess. And it was this nuisancey thing. And that was worse and worse. And I remember one day he's also, I mean, it's like, you know, the Jewish girl's dream, you lose a lot of weight. So, but you know, you're 12. And so I remember one day my mother looked at me and she went and she was, and I now feel as a parent, I feel it because I think my parents didn't notice it immediately. Right. And then it, I said, well, yeah, you know, I started t- all this stuff. And um, so, you know, and arthritis at the time, I don't know if it rheumatoid arthritis then it's basically, there's not a diagnosis for it. They just rule out a lot of other things. So and I remember my parents driving me to like university of Georgia hospital and they were just extraordinary, but they never made me feel afraid, which again, going back, I mean, they must've just been out of their minds. And so the, the long trip was, so I, the, back then there wasn't, um, I was taking 16 aspirin a day. That was all there was. There oh was, my God. There wasn't Motrin, there wasn't Advil. Right. There wasn't, and I, and. And uh, did your parents know you were taking all this aspirin? <laughs> they gave it to me. That was. Oh, the, Okay. Oh, I like that. <laughs> no, my parents, that was the, the prescriptive d- drug to take was aspirin. So there was nothing else. Right. So, but then it was, so then the other pres- therapy was I couldn't walk on my feet. I could, they would, my, the docs didn't want me putting pressure on my leg. Oh my so God. I was kind of bedridden. I had to get homeschooled and home. For how, what year, what year was, was this? It was seventh grade. Oh, was, the worst. It was eighth grade. The worst. How the whole year? The whole yeah, almost the and whole year. And then the last part of like spring of eighth grade, I was allowed to walk again, but I had to wear these like orthopedic oh, shoes. I wore orthopedic shoes. Oh, oh. I know. Italian is the inbreeding, which I'm all for. You know, I'm all for right. it. But so I remember we went to synagogue that Friday night, and it was the first time I'd really been out, and I was wearing the orthopedic shoes, and they were in. That they were saddle shoes to look like. Oh, I had those. Okay. Oh my God. We, I can't believe it. We were like. <laughs> I had knee braces. My I was growing so fast, and and my joints were all screwed up. But go ahead. So my mom, my parents said to me, "Don't you know? I didn't want to. I I just wanted to be like everyone else when we were right. loafers, right? Penny loafers. That was really. Big. Oh my God! Yes. I just you know. But anyway, my mom said, "No, you look fine. No one's going to notice that. You know, you have these horrible." clunky things on your feet. And I go to shul, I get to synagogue and it's the own egg. And the ma, someone says to me, Oh, we're so glad you're back. We're so glad you're here. And you know what? Those shoes don't look bad at all. 
Oh. Yes, I was such well, a, And it was, and it's just like, shut the fuck up. I it's just, like the cross. I shut just, the fuck up. I just dissolved. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did? is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You know, the fact that you were bedridden for almost a year at, at the age of 13, 12, 13. Do you have extra empathy for these kids with this COVID? No, no, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like, you know. No, I have extra empathy for the heart. It, it sounds very shallow and I, you know. One of the hardest things, and it's also because, you know, I had, thank God I had something that I didn't have permanent damage from and I didn't, you know, I was able to function and, you know, and I, I, I'm okay now, but thank God that, you know, I have, I, it was the hard, one of the hardest things was being different. You know, I was so different anyway. Right. And, and it's, that was really hard because at 13, It's all you want. All you you just want to fade in. You just want to fade in. You know, it's interesting because um, I just did Seth Rudetsky's podcast, which is all about high school, and and I said to him, you know, like because I we and we're going to talk about bullying in a second, but I said to him, you know, it's so hard when when you look different, when you when you're a giant walking and that's all people see. And that becomes, that defines you that you have, and you always have to acknowledge it. It's like you sort of had to acknowledge these shoes and you had to, you know, and 
And again, my parents did something really so so as I'm you know wallowing in my self-pity at this point, I um my mom, so she again remember there's no internet, there's no cell phone, yeah, the Encyclopedia Britannica. And so she finds somebody. Uh we had the golden book in our in our region, yeah. That um a kid who had it now she grew up, she was playing soccer now, and she brings this teenager to the bedside for her to tell me. It's going to be okay. Oh my God. I, I, I love your mother right now. Just when I think about what she, you know. That is the most loving. I'll never forget that. She was older than you, I assume. I was, she was like 17. I was 13. And I was so mean to her because I was so angry. Did and you ever? Um, no. Maybe, again, like you're really You got to find her. You have I to find it. her. I and say it. thank you. Do you remember her name? Her last name is. D. Brothel Bay. Maybe that was a Brothel Bay because it was sort of like Brothel Brothel Bay. So thank you. But I'm so sorry. I was so mean to you. Well, you know, you're 13. 13 year old. When you were seven, you saw your first Broadway show, Hello, Dolly. And. I can't. I can't believe you. You met Ethel Merman. Like, what the fuck? What the F-U-C-K, your grandmother got you. How did she get you back? No, my mother, again, my mom. I can't wait for you to meet her. My mom is a real believer in experience, you know, experience it to the fullest. And she's really, you know, handed that down to me. So if you're going to go to a Broadway show, you are going to be the star. So I have no idea how she did it. But after the show, my mother said, well, we're going to go meet Ethel Merman now. And so I was like, well, of course we're going to meet Ethel Merman. I'm, you know, Jerry Bronx's daughter. So we did. And I remember she was eating steak. She was eating a steak dinner. And she was like, nah, 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 nah. You know, thank you. What was she, uh, was this a matinee or was it an evening? It was a matinee. And I got you back then. You got dressed up for Broadway shows. So I oh, really remember when you, wait, you got dressed up to go on an airplane? Oh, yeah. To go on a train? Why I watched the Grammys. I remember watching the Grammys when I was kidding. Everyone dressed to the ninth. Now it's like torn jeans and a black t-shirt. Like what the fuck? I remember the first time I got in an airplane when I wasn't dressed up. I was afraid to take the back. <laughs> I remember that. And it was when I was in my you know, late 20s. And you're, you're, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, aren't we? Was, I remember when I wore the Hello Doll, I had this great coat and with this little fake fur you know, and a, and a yeah. muff. Remember muffs? Did you have Oh, yes. No. It's like, there's no good word. There's no way you can say that word. Muff. Yeah, muff muff diver. You you also went to Jewy Camp, which was good. I love Jewy Camp. Which camp did you go to? I love the name Camp Blue Star in North Carolina, where all the Southern Jews went. And I just love that it was called Camp Blue Star because it's like, they're not trying to pass at all. Right, right. the, The Jewish camp have the fake Native American names, like, you know, Camp. Oh, yes, yes. I went to Najiwa. I went to Najiwa, which is like Jewish spelled backwards, right? Right. It, it sounds all um, Wait, but you, so Blue Star, is that because of Israel or no? Oh, Blue yeah. Star? Blue Star? Blue <laughs> Star? It was, yeah, the symbol was a big Jewish star. Right. But And it was in Henderson, it is still, it's in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Wow. And every Jewish, everyone Jewish that you meet, that grew up in the South that so used to say, what years did you go to Blue Star? That's, now, 
The year you were diagnosed, did you get to go to camp? No, that was, well, at first I went to Jewish, because we were in New York. So my first years, I went to Camp in Abreth, uh-huh. Starlight, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to, to Clemson. I was 11. So I had a miss. That was the only year between like oh, a- and 22 that I missed camp. I what- love camp. What do you think, though? That period of time of you being bedridden for that. Oh my God, you you really are focusing. No, I just want to know, like, how do you think that affected you as an adult? Like, do you think you have better coping mechanisms? Do you think like, you know, what's funny. I would never have said that I'm like a coper, but, um, but it's funny. My cousin, Barb, who is a big fan of yours. I love you, Barb. Um, she said, because, because when COVID hit, I'd be a good hostage because as soon as COVID hit, I was like batting down the hatches. We have to get supplies. Yay. I, I bet, and we couldn't get it. And I don't know what it was like where you were, but we couldn't get groceries in New York. It was like eight weeks delay on delivery. Right, right. So I Venmoed money to my college, one of my college um, housemates in Pennsylvania, in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. And um, Tom sent me, they, 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 they shipped us groceries. No way. Yeah. So, and so my cousin, cousin Barb said, well, maybe cause it's, you have that coping mechanism from when you, you know, were as a child, when you were sick and I hadn't even thought about it. I guarantee that's what it is. It's like, it, it changes. Oh, what? It, oh. So now I have plenty of rice. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Provincetown, you know, that's why we left. We couldn't get anything. So we left and there were hours oh, you could go to the grocery store in Provincetown. Well, yeah. That was probably, out of all this, that is one of the weirdest experiences that we live in America. In this, we couldn't get groceries. Uh, it's amazing. It, or toilet paper I, or yeah. paper towels. Yeah. What, what is it with paper towels? That I don't like, know. And, they, I, and you know what? When I was in Provincetown, like a few weeks ago, the head of the supermarket said, stock up on paper towels and we have so many fucking paper towels. All right. So you were in chorus. Okay. Oh, and you had Mrs. Fry was your teacher. Mrs. Fry. Mrs. Fry. And she really taught you about the impact arts has on children. And plus you also had a bully in um in chorus who used to prick you with a pin is that correct oh my god angela fuck you angela but you know i think she turned out okay oh all right hi angela (laughs) but and i think i was you know i was a target again i was the jewish kid with did they say like (laughs) anti-semitic stuff to you no actually never it was all curiosity wow you know we, we, you know, tell us about, you know, yeah, it was, it was actually good. Maybe this was, it was a college town, but it was, it was kind curiosity. But again, I think I was a target, you know, I mean, I think I set myself up as a target with Angela. I mean, I had the stinkiest lunches. Did, now on your sardine sandwich, did you get cream cheese? I, you know, I've actually blocked that lunch out. <laughs> That day was horrible. I got, I got, thing. Sorry, I got thrown out of my lunch table. Oh, and I got put in, in, with I'm the, sorry. I'm sorry for bringing that with up. With the kids who needed, you know. Special needs. 
Um, so this Mrs. Fry was a teacher. That was a, it wasn't the, the life-threatening disease. It was the sardine sandwich. It was just like, sorry, put me over the top. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it does smell. Okay. So can so you- Mrs. Fry, so that actually yeah. was my, so there I am in a small town where I said that community theater and the arts were just this life. I found my people. Because, and, you know, as we all say who are artists, you know, we find we find that tribe of people because we're, you know, we're usually somewhat weird, you know, as much as I wanted I to, to pass as a cool kid, right. I was somewhat weird. The, so we had, you know, like like schools, we had the, the the school shows and she was the director of the school shows. And for in high school, she was also for for grade school, middle school or junior high and high school. We had the same chorus teacher. I mean, it wasn't again. We had one. Right. Grade for three towns and, the, and one high school for three towns. I love the names of the other towns are that went to our high school are Central and Six Mile because Central and Central had Central Park, which I love. Nice. wonder where <laughs> and, they got that name from. And Six Mile was named because it was named after the Native American princess that was running from somewhere. And that's when she got to Six Miles. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's where it was. <laughs> But, so, so, but you said that she in she took every even the druggy kids, the 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 football, the jocks, everyone. She incorporated them into yeah, these I mean, productions. I live that glee lifestyle, you know, of that magical teacher. But you know what's funny is though, what actually what I don't know if I said though, Mrs. Fry in sixth grade kicked me out of the chorus. Why? Well, so there I am sixth grade again with my sardine sandwiches and just wanting to fit in. And so every, you know, the cool thing to do was, you know, all the girls were in chorus. And so I, you know, go follow the cool kids to chorus and so I'm singing and singing my heart out. And Mrs. Fry says, again, because it wasn't, you know, I, I, she was just a mentor. I loved her, but it was, you know, back then you could say things to kids like, I hear a clunker. And so, yeah, you can insult kids that way, I guess. Right. And so I was just incredulous. Like there's a clunker in the room and I'm just singing, singing, singing. She goes, stop. I hear a clunker. And she goes in front of everybody to listen. And I'm just singing, 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 because I don't want to be, you know, caught with a clunker. Right. Turns out she, she stopped in front of me in a very diplomatic way, says, you can be the page turner for the piano teacher. Oh, my God. So again, you know, that's right up there with sardine sandwich. As you know, when I, um, when I, I, I wanted to be in the play, but I was always had to play an instrument instead. Cause I was so tall, but any, so my mother came to one of my concerts and, uh, she was like, Oh, who I didn't see what character was Paige Turner. And I'm like, that was the fucking person turning the page on the you know about page Turner. <laughs> I Paige Turner. That's so funny. All right. So, so you went to the prom, right? Of course I went to the prom and I, I wore like this, this hoop skirt. And who'd you go with? With Jesse Lee Baker. And did you guys make out and everything? You know, I had this very complicated dress on. I think my mother, again. She probably did it on purpose. So my mom, I think she did. You know, she's so great. But then again, you know, she's she's not born yesterday. Yeah. So 
all the girls at, at that time had that was just when like the slinky dresses were coming in, you know, and yeah. my mother talks me into a formal like cotillion gown, but it was so complicated to to do anything with. Right. There was no action that night except Jesse helping me with the hoop skirt together. I love that. So you don't go to Clemson, which could you have gone for free? You know, I don't know, but I think my parents wanted me to get the fuck out. You know, be amongst Jays. So yeah. you go to Penn State. So I go to Penn State, which my, you know, I'm third generation Penn Stater. Very you proud. You are not. My grandfather went there. My dad went there. My every cousin. So in fact, at Penn State, you need, I would be in class and I have so many cousins there that, so I don't know, I saw some cute guy and we're talking in class and I said, wait a minute, can you tell me your last name? And turns out he's my cousin. Now, why ah! Down south, it's not so good above the Mason. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, that's the same with me and Rutgers. Everyone went to Rutgers because it was the state school. So you, I up- loved Penn State. I you loved, did? It. but you couldn't. You never drank, right? You could. You, I, yeah. I, again, you're getting right into. But I'm a, I'm a fake drinker. I. That's so amazing. You go to the biggest party school in the world, and and I, I'm all for drinking. I mean, I drink responsibly, but I'm all for it because, and I never, again, don't want to be different. And I can't drink because, you know, I'm still on these arthritis meds. And would you fake drink it? Like, would you have like water and make believe it was vodka? So can you fake drunk? Yeah. Oh, wait, do it. Do it. Hey, (laughs) hey, Robin. Hey. First of all, I was, (laughs) the Southern accent, it's like, oh, my Southern just comes out when I drink. God, you must have seen so much shit. Like, okay, and- let me tell you what happened even recently because um, I am I'm all for drinking. It's the best. And it's, and so I have mastered the red solo cup, you know, I'm it, right. So I was at the Sundance Film Festival this year with my good friend, um, Emily, and we were, we were having dinner together. It was actually at the house we were staying at. I was staying at, and we we're, you know, this cocktail cocktail hour and we're drinking and and Emily and my husband was there this year. She turns to my husband and she says, Rob and I have gotten drunk at every film festival for the last 20 years. And so I said, um, you know, Emily, I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> and what did she say? She said, what? No <laughs> fucking way. No she idea. Had all, she had all these memories of us getting, you know, wasted. Did you ever like, were you ever like, oh my God, I'm so glad. Like you watch people get inebriated. No, because it's for, again, since I was, because down South, you know, back then, you know, we could drive at 14 and you can drive at 15. I don't know. So I guess it's just part of my, my DNA to, I've been faking it for so long. What about smoking pot? No, I never, because again, there were so many legal drugs that I had to take. And as a kid that I had to take that I just, well, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, because in his progressive professor way, you know, well, if you ever want to smoke pot, you'll do it with me. And I was like, no, take that off the list. No fucking way. (laughs) My dad, though, my my parents were, 
are really smart parents. So my brother is Benji Bronk. Yes, I know. Benji Bronk, Howard Stern. So I remember my brother at one point wanted to get an earring. And again, so can you imagine the only Jewish boy in the school in the whatever 80s getting an earring? You know, it's just, it just it sounds like draw more attention. Yeah. yeah. It's like shoot him now. So my father was so instead of saying, no, 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 my dad said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to just borrow one of mom's earrings, which my mother has, you know, big clunky yeah. Jewish lady clip on earrings. Yeah. And I'm just going to wear them, you know, when I take you and you know, drive you and your friends around. How's that? And my brother never got an earring. That's hilarious. You know, when I got my second hole pierced in my ear, my my mother, that was like me saying, I am on crystal meth. Like she she freaked out. So I was, my father pierced ear. Why? It's something, what is it about Jews and slavery? You're not supposed, but you, you, but you look at like these Hasidic women and these, and their kids are pierced like the minute they come out. I was not allowed to have piercing. <laughs> That's all I, I wanted to have growing up was just, I just, you know. So I'm in college. I turned 21. And my roommate says, let's do something wild. You know, you're 21. We're going to do it. I'm like, I want to get piercings. <laughs> so that was my big rebellion. And that's when you, so that's I get like my getting ears. a tattoo. Yeah, go ahead. I get my ears pierced. I go home for Thanksgiving or whatever it was. And my father is like crystal meth. Like I had come home pregnant on crystal meth. <laughs> and, I mean, he didn't speak to me for almost the whole, I and mean, he was Oh my God, that's scary. so, so mental. It's what, it, it's like. This, I don't know. My mother was like, you want to put a hole, another hole in the area? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Like I, like I was never going to get a job. That, you know, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Okay. So. After you graduate, wait. By the way, yeah. so when Kiki, my little one, who went to Indiana with your with Henry, um, uh, by the way, Henry said the most beautiful girl. Ah, uh, and that's Danielle, her sister. But they're all beautiful. Uh, and so Kiki, I get there for Parents Weekend. She has one of those nose things in. No, way. and I ha- actually, I actually hate those. It's like I'm spending so much money on your facial stuff and you put something that looks like a blackhead in your ear, in your nose. So anyway, but my mom was coming up too. So I said, you know what? You tell Nana what you did. Right. And so we got it on video. It was great. How do you pick your nose with a nose? Like, I don't get that. And the, and the tongue ring. What the fuck is the tongue ring? I can't. You know, my, you know my Penn State graduation story. There. What? What's your Penn State graduation story? I mean, I, so... I was a terrible student. Not, I am possibly a terrible student. I loved extracurricular activities. I was in student government and sorority, and I was just a joiner. I loved joining. Right. And so, but I wasn't great about going to class. And so I kind of like skirted through all that. And the month before, and I would drop classes a lot. So my parents are in South Carolina. And to come up to Penn State, even at that time, it's a big deal. You got to get, you know, the airplane tickets. and the, So about six, six months before my senior year is over, second semester, I realized I don't have enough credits to graduate, or I think I don't. I mean, I was the one who, 
you, know, you had to take your science class and, you know, which was in my dad being a physicist, but I, I just, you know, I, I was great in the arts classes, but not the science classes. And I remember meteorology. So I went, I just went to um, the first class and then I figured, you know, I just can cram and I'll go to the final. So I didn't even buy the book. So I, I see the final schedule and I, I go to the bookstore to buy the book and I see all these, you know, used meteorology books piled up in the front of the, you know, when you return your books, I thought, right. oh, that's convenient. So I go to buy it, but I had missed the finals and that's why everyone had returned. Oh, it. so what happened? So I do have the gift of gab, the gift of gab. Yeah. And which is why I became a lobbyist after college. But, um, so somehow I, I did all these independent studies. Meanwhile, so it's three months before graduation and I dropped a lot of classes and I realized I don't think I have enough to graduate, but I'm not sure because I've never gone to see my college advisor because I, I don't want to deal with it. Like right, I'm also right. big, like put it under the rug and it'll right. all work out. And it'll go away. So I, my parents, they're all excited and they're coming up for graduation and it's this whole big deal. And are you and feeling guilt? Like, did you have a stomachache? I would have been like, yeah, oh, I mean, no, and there's a, yeah. So, and I'm feeling guilt and then I'm like, well, I'm like, just, you know, shove it under the rug and, and it somehow will work out. So I don't say anything. Now they buy their tickets. They, my grandmother's coming, the whole thing. And so then, so then I get called into the Dean's office. And I'm sure now this is this is the moment of reckoning. Right. So I start confessing all. So should I come in to the dean and, and he says, you know, whatever. And I say, well, you know, I, I, he said, I guess you know why you're here. And I said, of course I do. I'm so sorry. And I didn't mean to you know, drop every course. And I did talk this professor into doing this. And I talked this professor into doing that. And I thought of blah, blah, blah. I'm going through all the things that I did, like under the table. And he goes, stop talking. You have an overdue library book from your freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> and because that was the one time I went to the library, it was a scavenger. That home. is hilarious. I I didn't pay some parking tickets and I wasn't going to graduate. My sister had to come and pay the parking tickets. And to this fucking day, she does not let, let me live it down. No, I still have. Wait. So the addendum is. So I didn't, the only thing I didn't do, I let my parents buy the tickets, get the hotel room, my grandmother's coming up, blah, blah, blah. The only thing I didn't do was um, buy a graduation ground. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, you know, I shouldn't spend the $20 if I'm not right. going to graduate. No way. Maybe it was like $12 then. Or right. $10. But I let my parents spend all this money, you know. So now it's like three days before graduation. My parent, my mom comes up and, you know, my grandma, they want to see me in my graduation gown. I say, well, I thought it would be great if we got it together. So we go to the bookstore to get it. And my grandmother says, oh, look at this one. It has shoulder pads in it. That'll be that that will make you know, be very attractive on you. Right. So I'm like, oh, OK, you know, I, I don't know. from nothing. Right. So I go, I get the one with the shoulder pads and it actually has this little velvet thing around it, too. So I'm like, great. You know, so I'm wearing it. I'm that more, more next morning walking to graduation i'm kind of looking around and then i'm sitting down there i got a doctorate right <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious so you graduated in a doctorate gown that's beautiful so when i noticed i started trying to rip the the, oh, the things off and the shoulder pads out that's hilarious Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Robin Bronk. 
Now, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find the podcast. And I five stars only with the review. Seriously. Like, why give a review if you're going to, like, be a shithead? Okay? Five stars only. Thank you. Also, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And as you know, Hanukkah and Christmas are coming up. And what is the perfect gift? What is it? Yes, it is my book. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It is a great read. It's easy. It's laugh out loud funny. And it's informative. And, you know, when you give someone a book, they're like, oh, this, mm, she went out of her way to get a book. You know, like, it's great. It's gotten great reviews. I'll be reading one right now. And the audiobook was in the new noteworthy in the New York Times book review. So, really, seriously, do it. Okay? Do it. Okay, this is from Karen S. Intelligent, thought-provoking, and of course, funny. I checked it out from the library. Now I want to buy it. Great work. Okay, five stars, by the way. Okay, she checked it out from the library, and now she wants to own it. What? Come on. Don't check it out from the library. I don't get any money for that. Anyway, it really would mean so much to me if you would check it out. Order links are on the homepage of judygold.com wherever books are sold you can find it also make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for upcoming events virtual and in person (laughs) I'm at judygold J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D on Friday December 5th uh, Saturday December 5th I will be at Soul Joe's in Pennsylvania outside of Philly doing an outdoor show and everyone has their own little pod and it's very safe. So if you're in the Philly area and you want to laugh and get the fuck out of the house, go buy a ticket. It's on my website. And um, listen, I hope everyone stays safe, stays well and stays healthy and happy. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. It's Just Kill Me. Don't forget to turn... For part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's just, just kill me. Now. No, Judy no. Gold's Just Kill Me. Just, just kill me now. <laughs> Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.